0: what's going on millionaires you're listening to the million dollar mind podcast episode 107 on properly funding business growth
1: What's up, millionaires? My name is Daniel Blue. I'm the owner of Quest Education. Our company helps people access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free. And what you can expect here today is some information in the financial space that you're not going to hear from your financial advisors. You're not going to hear from your CPAs. Uh, I'm a real business owner with real employees, I've uh, got clients, customers in all 50 states. So uh, I'm in the trenches. Uh, I used to work a nine to five job, so I, I know what it's like to be um, you know, working that nine five job and eventually start your own business. So uh, make sure you are uh, a lock in with us on the million dollar mind podcast so we could uh, be able to help as many people
0: as we can. Welcome back to the million dollar mind podcast, the number one passion and attraction podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every one of you all the only place for tips and tricks on identifying your passions while attracting opportunities to make a living while living your dreams. Now, today we have an amazing guest on the show. Uh, you heard a little bit from him, Daniel Blue. He's an entrepreneur, keynote speaker in finance and entrepreneurship, uh, and a very interesting topic. He mentioned he's going to talk to you and have the conversation that the financial advisors and your accountants are not going to have with you, which I thought was pretty interesting because you know we trust these people to have these conversations with us. So stay locked in with us. And he's also the co-host of his own podcast, How Winners Win, and then I want to start with that. You know, how did you uh, and your co-host come up with the name Winners? Like how Winners win?
1: You know, we grew up uh, playing sports, and um, you know, I'm college dropout. I didn't come for money, so when I started a business, I relied on grit and hard work and, and failing a lot. And, uh, also, you know, being in the trenches with my teammates. And there's a lot of parallels between entrepreneurship and sports, learning how to win, learning how to lose, learning how to talk to each other, learning how to fight and, and, uh, you know, go through some things in the locker room, or maybe you're beefing with somebody, but you still got to show up on on the court and play for your teammates for for your brothers, right. Your sisters. So, um, there's just a lot of lessons there. And, um, you know, the company that, I own is in the financial space, so naturally, I wanted to be able to talk about you know, things that financial advisors and CPAs are not discussing, as we mentioned. Uh, however, I knew if I just did a podcast that was just about finances, I was going to bore people to death. Um, so instead, uh wanted to talk about a term that we all can relate to a term that we all strive for right like you 're listening to this podcast right now, you want to win, not lose right um, so winners uh is something we all strive for, so the podcast is just geared on helping people win in their personal life, their
0: financial life, their business life, um, and just doing what we can to provide some some value to the people that that tune in amazing, I love it, I love it and uh, a term that you mentioned uh a couple times already in I'm familiar with and love using the term myself is in the trenches, right? Um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, what was an experience that you've had that has ultimately at least helped mold the Daniel Blue that's sitting sitting with us here today and talk a little bit more about those experiences of being in the trenches and starting from the ground up.
1: Remember, I got my first sales team when I was 19 years old. And, uh, at that, at that time I was working for a company where I wanted to move up. I was setting appointments. Then I started closing and I wanted to run my own team. And, uh, I remember going to my manager, like, yo, I'm outperforming these other people in, in, in the company. I want to have my own team. And I felt like I deserved to have a team because I was putting up a lot of numbers. I was making my teammates better. I, I felt like I, I put in the work and I earned it. And, uh, they just looked at me like, dude, you're just 19 years old. Like, what do you know? And, uh, I was like, okay, well, how do I get my own team? They're like, recruit, bring your own team. So I ended up at the time, um, I was dating a girl and her brother, I recruited him. Uh, I recruited a couple friends. Next thing you know, I got four setters and I'm closing the deals and we're all 18, 19 years old. And everyone was just laughing at us. Um, Cause I was working for a company where everyone else is 30, 40 years old, right? 50 years old. So they're like, man, this ain't going to work. And we put up money every week, man. We got in early, we stayed late. And um, you know, that's part of business That's part of, you got to, earn it. Right. A lot of people, you know, at that time I was young and dumb. I felt entitled. I felt like I deserved it. But you know, if I was my manager at that time, I would have given me the same instructions. Like, did you want it? Like you need to earn it. Like, it's just not going to be handed to you. And, uh, that's, that's life, right? That's business. That's
0: in, in everything. Right hmm hmm And and I could I could probably share a a, a similar experience as well. You know, but my listeners have heard that all too many times. But I also, you know, came from a sales background. But unlike you, I didn't I didn't stumble into sales until well after I graduated college. I was probably 25, 24. Um, and that's really what propelled my growth as far as learning business and sales, obviously, and just relationships and things like that. With you starting sales at at the age of 19. Do you feel do you feel like that is what really kind of opens your mind to entrepreneurship as a whole? Or would you advise that others would get into sales as far as just learning about business in in general?
1: 100 percent. That taught me how to deal with rejection. That taught me how to deal with failure. And when you get into business, you are going to make a ton of mistakes. You're going to think about quitting 536 times. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to wonder if you made the right decision. You're going to worry about the money in your bank account. You're going to worry about maxed out credit cards. Um, I mean, that's real life. And then once you start getting employees, you're going to have to pay other people first. You're going to have to pay other expenses before you get paid. You get you eat last. Uh, and and sales, especially when I was in sales, it was cold calling, right? It was dealing with a lot of um, elbow grease, a lot of dialing and smiling, and a lot of dealing with rejection and people hanging up on me and people not moving forward after I spent an hour going through the pitch, right? But that's that's life. Like you you have to earn it. You have to put in the work, and it you know. A lot of times you have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you don't get anything and it's Friday. And what are you going to do? You're going to pack it in, mail it in and think about the weekend or, you know, you're going to go from zero to hero on a Friday and, and make it a week. Right. So definitely sales looking back at it. You know, again, I'm a college dropout. None of my family was entrepreneurship. So it's not like I was given this playbook on, hey, here's how to run a company. That does seven figures, and here's 13 employees. Uh, I've had mentors along the way, and people that have given me wisdom and have felt, you know given me advice along the way, and I'm you know eternally grateful for that. But uh, best experience I got was getting into sales uh, at 18, 19, 20 years old, and uh, I was in the the sales game from 18 to about 25 in terms of mm-hmm. being on the phone and, and selling real estate coaching. That was a service that uh, I sold at the time.
0: Awesome, awesome, yeah, sales is. It's definitely a numbers game. You're, you you should expect to hear the no's, but you should also be glad to hear the no, because it just means you're one no closer to the yes, right? It's just like eventually you're gonna get the yes. So, I mean, being again 18, 19, 20 years old, um, and, and constantly learning, dealing with other, you know, outside influences, what was like what would you say was like the mindset that you adopted to quickly learn that this no is not the end of the world and that it just it just means next opportunity, and I can continue to, you know, push through it.
1: I think it came back to my childhood, uh, just competing. I mean, just because the scoreboard says you're losing at that point, the game's not over, right? Until that whistle blows, like anything can happen. And that was just the mentality that, that I approached uh, my, my work with. Um, I just knew that I could outwork people. Back to sports. I was never the most talented person on my basketball team or my, my soccer team, but I made it a point to make my teammates better. I made it a point to play defense. I made it a point to do things that didn't show up on the stat sheet. Um, I wanted to win no matter what. I didn't need to be the hero to win um same thing with business like i'm trying to win and i i knew i was probably one of the youngest one of the less least amount of qualifications um but i was going to show up early i was going to stay late i was going to work weekends i was going to use better time of management where you know i wasn't just chit-chatting and talking all day like i was there to work and get results
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and i could definitely so what what I guess this is a little quick off-topic question, but which, which sports did you play growing up? Uh,
1: soccer and basketball, man. Those, those were my jams.
0: Soccer and basketball. Well, I, I never got into soccer, but I definitely played basketball. My wife plays soccer, and I, 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 could, I think it's funny how you said soccer and basketball kind of brings the two together. Yeah. Okay, so switching gears just a little bit, Daniel. I mean, you mentioned that you, you want to have the conversations or you have the conversations with people that. Financial advisors and CP, their CPAs won't tell them, which is so ironic because this is literally why we hire these people in the first place. So, I mean, just just tell us a little bit about you know some of the advice that you've learned uh, down the road um, that you discovered that these are not the conversations that these that these professionals aren't having with their clients. Basically, it's a
1: myth, and it's the way that they want it to be understood: it is money in an IRA and a four hundred one k you can't access until you retire. And you can only use it for the stock market. And if you are able to touch the money before retirement, you're going to pay 20, 30, 40% in penalties and taxes. And that's not true. There, There are IRS approved plans that allow you to access money in your retirement account, like your IRA, your 401k, penalty and tax free. And we've got customers in all 50 States and a lot of our our people that we've been able to help, you know, we showed them how to tap in their retirement account penalty and tax free. And they could use that money to maybe start a business, you know, um, a customer that uh, has been, uh, of our network for many many years she used to cut hair for a living she's tired of being on her feet all day and she wanted to start an online business and she needed about ten twenty thousand dollars to get her inventory her product you know get her her marketing get her business up and going and she didn't want to go into debt with the banks and she wanted to tap into her retirement account and we showed her how to do that penalty and tax free and she used that twenty thousand dollars from her retirement account to fund her business And then we showed her a plan to replenish her retirement account so she's not robbing from her future. And then now she was able to leverage her retirement account to start her business and she was able to quit her job. You know, right now she's working from home full time. Her online Amazon business is doing what it needs to do to cover her bills and she doesn't have to go to work doing a nine to five job, right? So there's just a lot of different ways that you can get creative with your IRA and 401ks beyond just buying mutual funds and stocks and benefiting your financial advisor. And bottom line is the financial advisors don't want you to know this. They don't want you to use your retirement account to start a business or invest in real estate or pay off high interest rate credit card debt, because that doesn't make them money. That doesn't pay, you know, their boat payment.
0: Mm. And, and, and why is that? Is it, because I'm sure the the difference, the I guess the amount that's in the account doesn't change. It's just what's the difference between how they use it that changes how they're paid?
1: Yeah, so they make money based off of assets under management. And uh, so the more money that they have under their umbrella, the more money they make, right? They're making 1% to 2% a year on their money, on, on mm-hmm. the funds inside the retirement account, right? So if, if their clients are taking out 20, dollars $50,000 out of the retirement account, penalty and tax-free, and they're using that to start a food truck business or an online business, now that's less money inside their retirement account. That's less money that is under management, you know, under uh, management. So mm-hmm. less money that they can charge fees on. So they're making less money.
0: Got it. And, and I'm assuming that's probably where the myth came from in the first place, was to deter people from considering that uh, as an option for, you know, how to pull their money out their accounts like that. Yeah, I mean, you just got to follow the money right? Uh, at the end of the day, a lot
1: of, a lot of these companies, um, they've been around for decades and decades and decades. And uh, I talk a lot about this in, in my book. I came up with a book called Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. Uh, hit Amazon bestseller in five categories. So if you're interested in learning more, um, mm-hmm. the book is a, a simple read. It's it's easy to digest. It's not super complicated. But I talk about the new school and the old school way of money, right? Old school is our parents, our grandparents, how they you know saved and structured their, their money. And it's 2021. Things have changed, right? You, you can't read the newspaper or read you know, an online article or go on Twitter without seeing something about crypto, right? Or investing Mm -hmm. in real estate. It's a different way. So you, you do have to have a different philosophy or at least have a different perspective and understanding of the financial game now versus 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago.
0: Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent agree with that. A lot of, a lot of the materials and the advice that we get from people is definitely outdated, and the amount of information that we have access to now didn't even exist when a lot of these publications or ideals were even thought of. So it's it's time to get ahead of the times. And man, I'm I'm super grateful. Do you even have a book like that, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement? Correct. Yes. Awesome. Definitely going to check that out. I mean, other than just, it sounds like you have a natural drive to want to help people. Daniel, what 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 else was like the, the, the motivating or moving force behind you, Um, you know, coming down, getting focused and, and writing a book like that.
1: So when you look at a book, I mean, that's something that's going to live forever. Right. And uh, the, the problem that we solve in this market is, helping people access money in their retirement account penalty and tax free. Mm-hmm. And you know the way we've been able to help, you know, over a thousand customers over the years is by them getting on the phone and, and talking to our team. And uh I wanted to have a just an easier way for people to get the information. And I didn't want it to be some long book. Like we're talking, this book's like 80 pages, 90 pages. So it's just straight, it's very tactical, very simple, easy to understand. I don't use complicated words for a reason. So I'm just trying to dumb it down. Most people don't want to bother and and deal with this kind of stuff. But as soon as you tell people, hey, that $100,000 that you have in your 401k from your old job, did you know that you can access it penalty and tax free? They're like, wait, what? I know I could do that. Like, how do I do that? This, this book will teach you how to do that. Um, So it's just a, a great place to just get started and understand, you know, how you can do that and also how you can make money tax free. Um, So just to answer your question, you know, I, I wanted to have a piece of information that someone could have, you know, at their disposal. And, uh, you know, it's it's really cheap to, like you said, information is free, very cheap these days. Um, And and I wanted to have something in the marketplace that people could go to and uh, they can read it. And when they get done, whether they reach out to us or not, it's no worries. I just want them to be better off
0: than where they were before they picked up that book. Mhm mhm definitely and and I'll definitely be checking that out myself just to kind of see what type of gems that you that you drop in there daniel now uh we we we're talking about entrepreneurship and we're talking about different and creative ways that people can use their money uh and like one of your clients you know start a business and maybe get into real estate or whatever the case may be the The point is nowadays we have more businesses than than ever I think in like 20, 2021 alone, or even 2020 when COVID really would add, was at its peak, I think the average person might've started two to three businesses. So we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are just growing uh, nowadays, but there's a hesitancy and a lot of these entrepreneurs don't really, they, they can't really reap the full benefits because of the, the hesitancy of borrowing money to really make that that business elevate how, what are some creative ways besides, you know, if you have an IRA or, uh, some type of retirement account, what are some other creative ways that an individual can kind of become their own bank, uh, and, and and have access to funds without borrowing from these, these big financial institutions? Yeah, I, I think there's a
1: couple things. That's a loaded question. Um, I think, with it being 2021 and and I can just jump on Instagram right now and I can just scroll and I can just see people's highlights. And a lot of people think it's just really easy to start a business and start making money. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you're not seeing is you're not seeing the blood, sweat and tears behind it. You're not seeing what it took to get to that highlight. Right. You talk about, you know, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, most people just see the championships, but they don't see, you know, the times that they were in the gym, you know, working out at 1. am right taking a bunch of shots and, and sacrificing, you know, time away from their family. So um, I think you got to change the mindset. One, you got to play the long game. You're, you're not going to make money overnight. Um, two, um, you have to do what it takes to get your business up and going in the sense of, you know, when I started my business, I maxed out a bunch of my credit cards. You know, I I went all in. Um, however, I had a proof of concept first. I saw that I was able to solve a problem in the marketplace. I was able to charge a reasonable reasonable amount of money to make a profit and the client got a lot of value. So I'm like, okay, I'm onto something. Uh, Let me put all my chips on, on the table. Um, you have to make sure your business is, is, has a proof of concept. Like there's a way for you actually can, that you can make money and you can scale it. Um, the last thing you want to do is go all in on something and and not have some kind of degree of confidence, but also there 's a risk you know a lot of businesses fail you have to be willing to take that risk and you also have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point right whether it 's delivering pizzas on the side i mean i I know a lot of people that you know started their business, but then they were still working a night job they were delivering pizzas for six months a year to just save some money on the side right so you're going to do whatever it takes, whether it's maxing out credit cards, whether it's getting a second job, Um, you know, there's no handouts, you know, the government's not going to just give you money to start a business. I know COVID kind of, there was some interesting times with you know stimulus checks and things like that. So, you know, that that was kind of a one-off situation, but you know, um, I'm a big proponent of 0% credit cards. You know, if you have a good credit score, you know, 700 or above, and this is not me pitching you. This is—I don't even. That's not even my business model. Um, I'm just giving personal, um, you know, mm-hmm. experience. I was not able to get zero percent credit cards three years ago if I did not have a 700 credit score. A lot of people think that you don't have to have a good credit score. You can just get business credit. But you know, when you get a, a loan from the bank, the bank isn't going to give you money. They're not going to be rushing to give you money when they see that your business has no tax returns. There's no income verification. Your business is a baby. They're not going to give you money. They might give you a credit card. And if you can get a credit card at zero percent for 12 months, that's free money, right? You can leverage that money and use that money to you know invest into marketing or product or you know your business. And and that's the difference between good debt and bad debt.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely the difference between good debt and, and, and bad debt. Now, as far as the proof of concept is concerned, Daniel, uh, what what are some ways that because a person can think that, oh, yeah, I have this business idea and they're emotionally tied to it. And they're like, oh, it's got to work. This is something that what how do you actually prove that you're bit, like, what are some ways that you can test out that proof of concept? I guess is what I'm asking. I mean, get the ball in the hoop, right? Like get get the sale
1: done, see mm-hmm. the result, get the testimonial, right? If your product or service is is out there and it's real. You know, test it out, make a post on on Facebook, you know, talk to your friends and family, you know, maybe give it at a discount or, you know, work with someone for free and be honest like, yo, I'm starting this new business. I'm not going to charge you anything. Reason why is because I need to make sure that this works. And, and I, I believe it can work. However, I'm just being real with you. This is brand new, it's beta test, but, you know, you're shooting them straight, right? And, and, and let's just say you get them to, to uh, the finish line and, and you get them the result that you told them that you were going to get. Now you have someone that's stoked. They'll give you a testimonial. Now you're like, okay, what I gave them produced X. I could charge Y, and mm-hmm. the client is still gonna make you know uh, a gain or have a good result or be happy. They're happy. I'm happy. Business makes money. This is a freaking win-win all the way around. Like, let's go.
0: Great point. I think it goes back to what you said earlier too, was getting the trenches. Like you really have to, you just can't expect that. Oh, I have this idea. I'm just going to start marketing it and try and get people to sell it for me. Like you should probably be the main person doing these things in the beginning so you can see what works what doesn't work uh even building out scri- I, that's how i even learned how to build out scripts with just playing with words and sending them out to people and then i'll say okay that worked This did didn't copy and paste that and that's how i had scripts kind of built out um what now as far as the the credit cards and the good debt what would you say was the plan for for paying that debt back was it just kind of whenever you made money from the business just kind of making the minimum payments or did you try to pay it off as fast as possible? What, what did that look like? Um, and, and that's where
1: having good forecasting comes into play and, and budgeting, right? Because that's 0% eventually is going to end, right? So how long do you get 0%? Is it 12 months? Is it 18 months? Once the 0% ends, you know, w- what does it go to as far as the interest rate after that, right? So everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different. You don't want to get caught holding the bag where you have a bunch of debt on that 0% card and that 0% jumped to 20%. Right. And, and you were just making the minimum payment along the way. And that was it. So, you know, you definitely want to 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 plan. Right. And just know what kind of income you have coming in next month, next quarter. You know, what kind of expenses you have coming in. Um, it's just good to, to to be good with your numbers and just be able to forecast
0: and, and budget accordingly. Got it. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. And now the question is for a, a total beginner that's listening to this. And and they're hearing all the great things and all the great ideas we have, such as a proof of concept, you know, trying to find ways to get some good debt. What would you say are some baby steps that they should take after having a proof of concept to now wanting to fully invest into their business? What are some baby steps a person should take in between there?
1: Um, like you just said, they, they need to be willing to, to get in the trenches and and start selling. Uh, so I'm a big proponent of, you know, having some sales background. Um, my business is three years old these days. I'm, I'm not really on the front lines a whole lot anymore. Uh, I've got 13 employees. My business can, can run without me, so to speak. I'm doing my best to not be a cog, uh, or in the sense of not, holding the business back from, from moving forward. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be uh, in, in the middle where the business can't move forward without me. Um, but in the very beginning, I was taking sales calls, right? I was on the phone all day long, you know, I was in the trenches um, for most of the day. Um, and, and you have to be willing to do that. You know, you have to be willing to do the, these calls, you know, the, the campaigns, the outreach. Um, I mean, you you can wing um, you can wing it and, and, and still get some results going. Um, so, if, you know, first phase of a business is you're just winging it. You're, you're selling everyone, you're selling anyone you can't, right. If they have a heartbeat, you're like, yo, I want, I, I, I want to make a sale, you know, the business needs money, you know, but then once you figure out who your ideal client is, you're like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to onboard that client and sell them something because, it's just the ROI doesn't make sense. You know, we're spending more on fulfillment and service, and and we're not making money long term. So then you start to figure out like who's your ideal client and, and who you want to attract. Um, you know, and then after that, it's it's systems, it's scale, it's processes, it's it's scaling, it's hiring. You know, people in your operations, hiring someone for your marketing department, hiring another sales department or another salesperson, uh, hiring some assistants, right? But that first phase is you're you're everything you're the ceo coo you know human resources sales manager uh marketing manager you're you're everything however you know you have to put some processes in place to eventually start removing you from some of these other areas so you actually can go on a vacation and enjoy your time without having to check your phone
0: every 20 mm-hmm. minutes you know mm-hmm. definitely and and what I what I picked up from that day was is if you're just starting a business and you're looking for those baby steps, either you get into a sales role or you pick up as many sales books as possible. and You learn how to sell. It's pretty yeah. much the first baby step that you could take. Yeah. Coolio, Coolio. Now, what what would you say was a definitive moment for you that really changed, you know, your habits and, and engage in the line of work that you're in now? Um,
1: so part of my story is I got addicted to Oxycontin at 18. So when I was 18 years, I'm 32 years old now. When I was 18, um, I got a girl pregnant. Uh, I got addicted to Oxycontin and I dropped out of college. So 18 was an interesting year in my life. Right. Um, you know, I've been clean now for almost 12 years. I was addicted to Oxycontin for two years of my life. Um, didn't see my daughter at the hospital when she was born because I was too busy getting high off Oxycontin. Um, so I, I made a lot of mistakes in, in my younger days. I'm not perfect, I still make mistakes. However, that that taught me a lot. You know, overcoming addiction taught me that I'm in control, that I'm a product of my choices. And ultimately, I control my future and I can't be a victim. You know, things happen for us and not to us. So, you know, having that kind of mindset, you know, helped prepare me for business and also financially being smarter with my money. Um, You know, I made a lot of financial mistakes in my younger years, not having a savings and investing plan, not worrying about or caring about or investing in my credit um you know and uh failure is the best teacher right so you know we all have failures and adversity and we all have our our sad story so to speak right like maybe you're a product of a divorce or you were abused or you know you just got handed uh, a shitty deck of, of cards right we all have a sad story but you can either use that as an excuse to just keep doing what you've always been doing and and never take a risk and never take a chance and never do something different. Or you can use it as a, a moment of, okay, you know, it's getting real. I messed up or this is my sad story, but you use it as motivation, as drive to help you get better discipline, to get better results. So, you know, my, my past has definitely fueled me. Um, you know, there's some things I regret from, from my early years. However, I know it helped shape me who I am today and, and I wouldn't have changed it. I won't change it for anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I'm definitely, you know, glad to see or even inspired to see that you the the person that you become through those experiences. And I'm a firm believer as well as things happen for a reason. And maybe there were some some activities or habits that you had prior to that that uh, was leading you down a path. And you had to go through that so that you can initially see, oh, wow, let me start these habits now. Let me start these activities. Let me start learning this thing. So, uh, like I say, glad to see that uh, something great has came from. Like you said, that sad story, because we do all have one. Um, what will be a mindset? And this is just some, uh, some context for, for our, our listeners out there. What would be some, the mindset that one should adopt to achieve a level of financial independence that we spoke of earlier uh, in, in this conversation?
1: Hmm. I think one is, what, what's your definition of financial independence? Right. Like everyone has something different and, and you need to get very clear on, on what that is. Um, you know, for me, my my financial independence is, is time independence. It's time freedom. I love financial freedom. I love to be able to do the things I want to do financially. However, I'm seeking time freedom. You know, I, I want to be able to go on a vacation for two weeks and uh, not have to worry about checking my emails or checking my missed calls because my team is handling it money is coming in the business bank account without me being involved, right? Um, That's where I'm at, you know, and I want to get it to the point where, you know, I can remove myself and I don't have to be involved in the day-to-day operations, Um, and and I'm training in that, in that direction, my business is only three years old, so I still have a a long way to go. So, um, maybe you're not a business owner right now. Maybe, you know, you're a high performing employee making good, good money. Um, live, live below your means, right? If you're making 10 grand a month right now, find a way to live off four grand a month. And that other $6,000 a month, I know you'd rather use that money to travel or get a nicer car so you can look cooler on social media, but use that $6,000 and invest it right and And if you did that every single month and you did that for year after year after year after year, I mean over ten years you can have a good set of money set aside, or you know maybe instead of retiring at fifty you know fifty five or sixty five years old, you're retiring at forty years old because you were really smart with your with your money and you made wise decisions in your early twenties, late thirties, things like that, right, so it just comes down to you know what what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, where you're trying to go, what you're trying to accomplish, and then you know, figuring out a game plan to to get there and execute.
0: Right, identifying the what, and then the vehicle that's gonna that's gonna get you to the what the quickest, or whatever pace that you're comfortable with. I would say, yeah, yeah. For me, it's people.
1: Right now, I have to get the right people in the right places. You know, with my operations department, my marketing department, my sales department, where. That that's where I'm at. I, I got to get the right people in the right places. So then that way I, I can keep moving up and empower my leaders and give them an opportunity to to make good money and and you know make decisions for the business so we we can win.
0: Yeah, it's definitely all. I say it definitely start with a lot of things and whatever industry you're in, it's always going to boil down to the people. For for you, Daniel, how do you identify the people that are best? um for for the the current journey that you're on or the the bus that you're taking for for lack of better words you know
1: um i think it's a it's a common trend a lot of my employees have come from a home of adversity um you know maybe they lost their father at a young age um they played sports when they were younger like they just went through some shit and when, when we hire somebody, we, we like to know their story, not like all the personal details, but like someone that has a chip on their shoulder, you know, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team. You know what I'm saying? Like that mm-hmm. was something that fueled him. Um, and, and we like people that have faced adversity and stared at adversity right in the face and kept moving and kept, and, and kept going. And and despite the doubt and the failure that they faced, right? So we we look for more those kinds of traits um, because we can teach people, right? I mean, you can teach someone how to do coding or, you know, website development. You can teach people how to sell, right? If they're open-minded and they have the right attitude, you can teach them. You can't teach people how to work and you can't teach people how to have a better mindset. You can lead them and give them some some gold nuggets and, and some crumbs along the way to help them with their mindset. But
0: ultimately you can't change people. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately you can't. People are gonna it's it's um experiences that change people. And if you're not providing experiences, then ultimately you definitely can't change people. Um as far as the building of relationships uh, of the people that that you um that you that you bring on to your team, how do you what what has been some, some methods that you found to be most effective as far as building relationships so that you continue to keep the right people, um, uh, in, in your environment and in your space? Having good communication between departments,
1: right? Like every business is going to have operations, sales, right? I mean, like fundamentally, those are the two departments, right? Like mm-hmm. marketing is in sales, fulfillments in operations, right? Like Operations and sales are the, the two families within the business, and just getting those two families to to talk amongst each other. They're not always going to agree. They're not always going to see eye to eye. Um, however, if you can just have communication, where one of our core values is own it, right? Like if you mess up, just own it, right? Like everyone's going to mess up. I mess up all the time. My teammates mess up all the time. If, if you're going to mess up, just own it. Like take responsibility. And and people are going to respect you a lot more. And as long as you own it, understand why you messed up and how can we avoid it from happening again, you know, that's a, that's a good way to, you know, get people
0: tighter where there's just more respect amongst each other. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And when you, when you brought on the first, first group of employees for your business, what was more important? Was it systems or was it culture? culture. I mean, we had a shitty CRM.
1: Um, we weren't the best technology driven company. Um, you know, one of my first, uh, nuggets of management information that I got when I was younger was never ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do. And, uh, that's why I had no problem getting in the trenches and calling 150 people a day too, or, you know, getting on the phone and and pitching and setting appointments and closing, like, you know, I'll take the trash out. Like I'm not above you. Like I'm, I'm in the trenches with you. So in the early stages, having core values is, is very important. You know, having a set of core values that can govern the team. Uh, that's really, really important to have that way. People can hold each other uh, accountable. Uh, back to what I said earlier, you can be a loose organization and just uh, wing it so sort to of speak, and see results. I mean, how many times in sports have we seen a team that kind of had a shitty coach, uh, like they're just really talented and they, they just they found a way to win, but they never were able to win a championship. They were never able to see consistent con- success because they didn't have the right culture, systems, processes in place, right? Same with the company. You, you might have a company that's doing really well, but can you leave that job or can you leave that company for a month and no longer be in the picture? and that company can still move and grow without you? Or are you the one that's calling every single shot and everything has to go through you? Because if everything has to go through you and you're the person that's selling, you're the person that's blessing everything, everything has to go through you, and, and, and you're the gatekeeper, you don't have a business. You, you created a high-paying job for yourself.
0: Right. Pre- preach, preach, preach. Say it again for the people in the back because a lot of us take that... Um, it's like a lot of us see this idea and, and we have this concept, but it's like we're so afraid to let go and bring others in. What would be some advice that you can give to individuals that have that mindset that just don't quite want to, And you don't have to let go complete, completely, but let go enough to where they can bring other people in to their business to, you know, to, you know, start to not make it so much of a, of a job, but an actual business that can grow with or without them
1: you just got to be real. Like ask yourself, do you want a job or do you want a business? I mean, it's that that simple. If you want a business, you got to start treating it like a business. And a business has a way of still moving forward without the CEO. Like Tim Cook over at Apple, he can be on a yacht for probably six months and there's enough managers and executives to keep that thing going. They're still going to make iPhones, they're still going to make Macs. Mm-hmm. Tim Cook don't got to be involved, right? Um that's a business. And uh you know some people are cool having a job where, you know, they're they're doing enough revenue or they're they're cool like, you know, that's what they want. They don't want to have, you know, a lot of employees, they don't want to have managers, they don't want to train, they don't want to build something. That's okay too, like it's not for everybody. Building a business is tough, man. Like, you have to be, be willing to go through hiring people and firing people and building something and, you know, putting in a lot of time and money and risk and, and, and energy and not seeing results right away, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're in sales and you're like, man, I'd rather just get on the phone and sell and, and make the money versus training someone and then they're going to make a mistake and they're going to cost the company money. That's true. Like, and, and when we did this, you know, my, my sales guys, they missed. You know, they, uh, they swung and they missed and they missed deals that I could have got. And, and I could have looked at it as, man, like I can't do this. Like that's costing the company money. Well, that's how you're going to learn. The best way to learn is to make a mistake. And I want a business. I don't want a job. Like I want to be able to spend a day with my daughter when I want. I want to be able to just block out my calendar on a Wednesday just because I feel like it. And, and go chill with the family and not have to answer emails or calls because my team is able to make decisions without me. Right. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for time freedom. I'm looking to have a business that I can scale. Um, and uh, that's just what I want. So again, it comes down to being clear on what you want, but if you're struggling on the, you know, letting go and uh, you want to be in control and you don't want to have people make mistakes. I get that. I felt that way. Just ask yourself, do you want a business or do you want a job? Because you can't have a business without going through some of those trials in terms of letting go, having mistakes done and things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and once you do identify that moment, okay, I'm ready to start bringing more people in, then you run into the problem where you you, you go crazy and you bring too many people in. So uh, for you, um, how, how, when, when do you identify that you may be growing or trying to expand too fast to where now you have a lot of people, but not a, like not enough work for the people to do, or just not enough income to sustain the amount of people that you brought in. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's why you have to have
1: a pulse on your finances and, and knowing what you have in accounts receivable and accounts payable and you know, just knowing what you have coming up for, for the quarter, right? Like every business is pretty similar. Like you have leads that come in, you have income that comes in and you have expenses that go out. Like what does that look like every quarter? Right. And you can take a look at that and just know like, it's almost like you're, you're, you're kind of pulling strings, right? Like ultimately you have to make sure that you don't overwhelm your operations, your your, your processing your fulfillment department because if you overwhelm that department, now you're gonna have customers that are sh- you know complaining about your shitty service because there's too many clients and not enough fulfillment in your fulfillment team, right? So you have to have a very strong manager in your operations department that is not afraid to speak their mind you know, that is not afraid to tell the boss, like, yo, you're messing up. You're not giving us enough help. There's going to be complaints and you have to be willing to listen to that and invest into that department to make sure that you're providing your, your, your client a world class experience. Cause if you got shitty you know, reviews with your clients, like you're going to go out of business pretty quick, or you're just not going to get enough business because you know, people just Google you. Right. So like reviews are everything and, and how a customer feels is everything. So. You have to have your eye there and you got to be in tune with the marketing department the sales department how many leads you got coming in what campaigns you got going out you know how many agents are are on the phones or in the field you know what's their workload looking like Are, are they able to manage those leads is there too many leads is there not enough leads oh okay there's not enough leads all right marketing department like what's up with these campaigns like you got to hold people accountable, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have to set benchmarks. Every company should have, it is how many leads that we're looking to, um, you know, obtain every single month, you know, this is our closing percentage is how many clients we want to onboard every month um, and just have KPIs, just have targets every single month and have something to shoot for. And if you're not seeing those results, look in the mirror and ask why, you know, and, and, and kind of figure out where is the leak within the business.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely agree 100%. It, it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier too, It was just people, uh, those relationships, holding people accountable. Communication is always about, you know, how well you can communicate with people. And then just be transparent with what the goals are. You mentioned core values. All these things kind of goes back into people. Uh, and successfully being able to communicate with people ultimately determines the success that you can have and how successful you can be with, you know, removing yourself so that you have that time freedom that we're speaking about. Now, for the for the business owners that are managing their business out of their checking accounts to, to, Is there like, are there dangers to that? What are some methods or some things that we should be wary of? Should, uh, should that stop? (laughs) Do you recommend that you automatically get some separate accounts to, like, what are the dangers, if there are any, of being a business, uh, an entrepreneur and doing everything solely out of your checking account? Because you mentioned you need accounts receivable, uh, receivables and even your expense for uh, accounts as well.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a CPA by any means. Um, mm-hmm. however, um, I just know your, your accountant, your CPA one, if you're a business owner and you're doing your own taxes, um, I, I don't think that's a great move. Um, you know, that, that's just like, you know, you, uh, trying to sell a house and you're trying to be like a real realtor or, you know, you're, you're dealing with something in the court system and you're trying to represent yourself, right? There's a reason why there's lawyers. There's a reason why there's, uh, CPAs, um, there's a really reason why there's realtors, right? Like let the professionals do their job. Uh, it's crazy, man. Sometimes I talk to people that, you know, are in business and, you know, they're using TurboTax to do their taxes, do doing the taxes on their own. And there's so many rules within the tax game. The tax code is always changing and business owners get a lot of write-offs, a lot of deductions that you might not even know about. So I always tell people like, I highly recommend, you know, using a professional, uh, like a CPA calendar, right. Um, but I just know personally. You know uh, i have my own bank account daniel blue a personal bank account i use that for things i can't write off right like this morning i went to the store i needed bananas and nectarines i didn't use my business credit card or bank account right like my cpa my cfo would yell at me i use daniel blue personal bank account right i can't write that off um but if i'm going on a, a trip out of state and like i'm gonna go speak or i'm going to an event um I'm going to use my business credit card, right? Like that is a expense, right? So like business expenses, a business bank account, for example, I'm going to treat that way different than a personal bank account. And then when you do your taxes every year, everything is separate, right? Now you can just print out your transactions, send it to your CPA. And then you guys do what you do as far as itemizing everything and tallying everything up and what can get right off, you know,
0: being written off and what can't get written off, things like that. Got it. That's a, that's a great point. Great point. And uh, I'm glad that you shared that, Daniel. Um, so switching gears, and again, Daniel, I appreciate the time that you're sharing with us. And we're going to be wrapping this up uh fairly shortly. Um, but as we talk about passions, because that's what the million dollar mind is essentially about, is just passion identification and then really honing in on attracting opportunities to live out those passions. Of course, you're not passionate about every single thing that it took to for you to build out your business, but in the industry that you're in where did you find your passion in what you're currently doing
1: see how i look at it is i look at passion and purpose completely different i am not passionate about 401ks and iras like i don't wake up every morning i'm like oh my gosh i can't wait to read about 401ks and iras today Maybe there's a new rule or a new law that changed. Obviously, I need to keep up to date with that because that's in my business. So I'm going to read the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to read other publications. I'm going to do my best to keep on tabs, right? But if I'm being real, I'm not passionate about what I do. However, I'm aligned with my purpose. And my purpose is helping people change their lives. And it's helping my employees with a opportunity to make enough money to buy their own house, um, providing for their families, um, helping a client start their own business so they can quit their nine to five job, right? Like that's my purpose. Like that's the, I want to impact people and, and change their lives so they can have a different future because I had a hand in it. I didn't do everything on my own, right? But I just, I had a little bit to do with them being able to do that. That, that's my purpose. It just so happens my company, Quest Education, a company that helps people access money in their retirement penalty and tax free. It just is a vehicle to fulfill my purpose. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how I look at it. And, uh, you know, people like if you're listening to this right now, if you're not passionate about what you do, what you do, that, that's OK. Um, I wake up every day. I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to talk to my team. I'm excited to do what I do because it fills with my purpose. Um, my passion is sports, My passion is, is fitness. Like that, that's my passion. Like I want to get to a point one day I'm 32 years old. I'd love to be when I'm 40. I'd love to have a business that has to do with sports. Maybe it's, you know, coaching underprivileged kids right like that would be a double whammy that's my passion and my purpose right i'm passionate about sports and i'm changing someone's life that that's where i'm I try, i'm trying to get to however i got to be willing to eat shit for a while to get to that point i'm only 32 right so i got to put in the work to get there so don't be don't be discouraged if right now what you're doing it's not your passion um just make sure it's aligned with your purpose And uh, as long as you have the purpose aligned, you'll have fulfillment. You're not going to wake up Monday morning and you're like, shit, I got to do that again. Or you're not going to get to Friday and you're like, oh, my gosh, hell yeah, it's the weekend. I can't wait to just, you know, blow everything off and watch Netflix all day and be unproductive. Right. Um, You know, that's how you can get to that point as long as you have your, your purpose
0: cup filled up. Got it. Well said. Well said. Um, so Daniel, we're, we're, um, getting ready to switch gears just a little bit. This is like the, um, the three quarter mark where we're going to head into rapid fire. And I like this part cause this is just a time for us to kind of just, uh, lighten up a little bit, lighten up the mood. And I got five random questions for you and it's not intended for you to overthink or anything like that. Just hit us with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. So if you could be invisible for one day. Where would you go or what would you do? Hmm.
1: Man, I would uh, probably some, more, some something to do with politics, man. <laughs> I don't care if you vote left, right. They're all crooked. They all probably get together at the bar on Wednesday nights and just like just laughing, just watching the news and just laughing at us, how they're just pitting us against each other. They're all homies crooked asses so just to just to see what they talk
0: about oh man damn, i love that way and i, I did it i did an episode um a couple of weeks ago called red ants versus black ants which was kind of like there's these people like shaking this bottle i, I don't know if you know this but like red ants and black ants don't fight unless they're like putting this environment that that's chaotic then they'll start yeah. to try and kill each other Uh, and what you just said kind of that's what it reminded me of there's always somebody or something trying to pit us against each other for no apparent reason there's always someone versus someone else yeah awesome well uh space versus the ocean would you rather get lost at space or lost at sea man probably probably space
1: the ocean's crazy man you don't know how far down it goes under you don't know what lives under there Like, to me, that's just, it's such a mysterious place. Obviously, I don't know everything about space, but to me, man, like, you don't want to mess with with the ocean, bro. You don't want to mess with mother nature. That that water is dangerous, man. You never, you don't know what's down there.
0: Yeah. For me, I I agree. And for me, it's the idea that space, you know, we don't, we hear about all the species that are like, they find every single day in in the ocean. We don't hear too much about new species that they find in outer space. So I can take the the loneliness of space. I'm with you on that one. All right, if you're on a 16-hour plane ride, who would you want to be stuck uh, next to for 16 hours? Man, um, probably Winston Churchill.
1: Um, he's he's a gangster, man. He was, he was getting ganged up by the Nazis back in back in the day. And, uh, you know, him, him being able to lead that country during such a crazy time. And, uh, you know, they were really close to getting, getting taken over by Hitler. So I, I'd love to hear just kind of what was going through his mind and uh, how he dealt with the stress. And
0: um,
1: so, yeah.
0: Okay. Good one. If you had um, a choice to eat one food every single day, what would it be? Right. Sushi. Sushi. Yeah. I love some sushi. i am with yeah. you on that one. All right. And the, and the last one is if you're home, uh, if you had to pick one color to put in your home, what would it be? Like, no, th- like allowed. literally all that. My last name is blue, bro. So what you think blue home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got the blue home for Daniel blue. I love yep. it. Yep. All right. Well that, that wraps up our, our rapid fire section, Daniel, um, with these closing questions, I ask this question, um, every single uh, time I have a guest because, you know, season three, is all about just identifying things that, you know, we're passionate about and that we love. So for you, how would you define what self-love is for you? doing
1: what you say you're going to do, you know, it's hard to love yourself when you're a liar. It's hard mm-hmm. to love yourself when you look in the mirror and you just, you know, like, like my uh, 16, 17 year old nephew, they, they use the word cap a lot. It's, it's hard to have self-love. if You're just a cap and left and right. If you're just lying mm-hmm. to yourself. You say, you're going to go to the gym, but you sleep in, you say, you're going to reach out to that certain person, but you don't do it. You say, you're going to start that project, but you put it off to the side. You say, you're going to do this, but you just, you know, don't do it for whatever excuse you have. Like it's hard to love yourself if you just aren't doing what you say you're going to do. And and if you make promises, if you make commitments and and you follow through with them, you build confidence, you build self-worth and and you actually start to like, love the person that, you know, that that you are
0: and who you're looking at in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm air snapping underneath this table right now, Daniel, what you said there, it's huge and even for those who struggle with that I would even give them some advice of even telling someone else don't keep it inside because if you're if you're lying to yourself maybe it's a little bit harder to lie to someone else if if you say you're going to go to the gym tell like five people so they can hold you accountable for that yeah, for sure all right what would be um let's say you're 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 walking down the street and you just happen to see 18-year-old Daniel Blue Daniel Blue what would be some uh advice that you would give to your 18-year-old self yeah, just Make sure you fail, fail a
1: lot, you know, make sure that you make mistakes and uh, you you learn from those mistakes and you do your best to not be emotional and, and make decisions off of facts, make decisions off of logic, you know I've made a lot of bad decisions off of emotion, um, and when we make mistakes a lot of times we can have even more emotions, but if you can just look at things objectively. Um, just tell myself to to just make sure that it's okay to fail. Don't get too down. Don't get too high on yourself because you're going to keep failing. But
0: uh, that's, that's how winners win. You, you got to keep failing. Got to keep failing for every, every fail is like a, it's like the steps, like you, you fail one and you put a block down that kind of, you can step on to kind of get you a little bit higher. Awesome. So um, now, Daniel, I want to give you uh, the space and and the time to, you know, share some things that you're excited about. Tell us a little bit more about where we can find you, some projects that you have launching and just some things that you're overall excited about, about your growth and and the growth of your company as well.
1: Yeah, definitely excited about the book. Uh, You know, I never would have imagined my first book would be a bestseller in in five categories. Uh, The categories are in the financial space. I was pretty excited about that. Best place where people can find me is DanielBlue.me. Uh, Daniel blue like the color dot me. It's my website. Um, you'll be able to see where you can access a book on Amazon. Um, link to my podcast, How Winners Win. Uh, and if you want to be able to kind of learn more about me and, and how I might be able to help you in your personal financial business life win more, uh, it's a great show to, to tune in. We have an episode every single week. Um, it also has on my website access to my course. Uh, I have a course called The Quest Way How to Make Money Tax Free. Uh, So for those interested in learning how to make money tax-free and and how to have more control over retirement accounts, that course is a good way to get started. Um, And then if you have a 401k from an old job or an IRA and and the thought of accessing that money penalty and tax-free intrigued you, um, there's a link on my website to Quest Education, my company's uh, website. You can head over there fill in some basic information. Someone from my team will reach out to you and see if uh, we're a good fit for each other. And then all of my social media links uh, are on the website as well. I'm pretty active on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I'll make sure I make that information accessible in the show notes as well, Daniel, and to all of our millionaires out there that are listening too. Well, Daniel, I just want to say thank you again for, for your time. It's been a pleasure you know, having you. And I just, I'm just i just super appreciative of the gems that you not only dropped on, on me, but to the to the audience that'll be listening to this as well. So I want to say thank you to you. And as always, I want to say thanks to my millionaires out there. I'm super thankful to have you all a part of the show week in and week out. And thanks for just becoming the change agents that you're bound to become as you start to apply some of these principles that that Daniel and I have, have spoke about today. All right. So with that being said, I'm your guy, Kai Speaks, and you just heard it from Daniel Blue on different ways to not only fund your business, but just grow your business, different effective ways to grow your business. Uh, And remember to keep focused, build momentum, and drive results so you can live. Hey, guys. So thanks to you all, the Million Dollar Mind podcast has went global.